Why has Kohot in Chai's Kuisuk Momayam Jesse? My name is Jesse. I am a teacher at Senpakchin School in Oliver, BC. And this is not a podcast. This is rather an addendum to a podcast I created with the culture team I'm a part of at my school. I could not use the original podcast that I made with my culture team because it falls outside of what would be considered research ethics, and I didn't have time to get proper permission to use it. So this is rather my backstory behind the podcast that was created and the story of the day from my own personal account. Now, in my journey of inquiry in my EDUC 528 class on inequalities and building equity, I've come across a lot of articles related to Aboriginal education, ones by principals uh, in Australia that were Aborigine, inner city and indigenous educators, chiefs, politicians, PhDs, professors, but I've never once expected that a children's book would be potentially the most important resource that I would come across in this class. It all began on an ordinary Wednesday, last Wednesday to be exact. Our school was having a mother language week, which our librarian was spearheading. Now she came to me and asked if, if we would read this book to the classes we teach, and the book was called Stolen Words. It's a children's book, great illustrations, and we didn't know at the time, but an incredibly powerful message within. So I agreed. On Wednesday morning, we read it to our first class. And the teacher that read it was the biggest, burliest, toughest member of our team. And as he stood up in front of that classroom of third graders... He hit an emotional note that he hadn't felt or hadn't been able to access before. The words of the book had touched something. There was some meaning there, and it became an emotional experience. The children, being able to sense this, just spontaneously got up out of their chairs and began to hug this large man until every single third grader in the class was up there in one giant 20-plus student and one large educator group hug, seeing the emotion that he exhibited from reading this story. After the class was over, I, I talked to him in an aside and said, hey, what did you... Uh, do you, do you, are you okay? Would you like to do that again? And, and he expressed that, yeah, it was, a, it was a positive experience for him, that he had enjoyed being able to access this, this thing that made him vulnerable in front of such a large group of students and other teachers as well. And we proceeded to read that story to seven other classes the day, taking turns as teachers, not everybody reading the same time, but experiencing that same emotional feeling every step along the way. 
and I didn't really understand at the time. I could, I mean, I could, I could see the emotion. I could feel it in the kids. You could feel how it was charged in the classroom. But I couldn't quite put into words exactly what the true power of this book was, what it was doing to these grown men and myself that caused such a physiological effect. We all bore our souls that day. But what the book was effectively doing, it took a while, and it actually took the podcast itself for us to fully understand um, what had happened in that day. And if in a few days' perspective also help. But what the book had effectively done was it had given us the ability to put into words and picture a feeling which existed in the hearts of the entire culture team. And myself as somebody adjacent to the culture could feel, but I, I didn't live it and I hadn't experienced it to the depth of that the other teachers had, them being indigenous and me being of settler origin. But what it had done, it, it, it had given words and photos to fe a feeling, a familiar feeling, that feeling of having lost a language, a collective language, which was a, a piece of their identity, and seeing that in their parents and their grandparents, that lack of touch in the language, and them being the ones that were able to pass it on day to day to the children in our school. Not only did it make their jobs feel incredibly significant, mine as well, but it also emphasized the importance of gathering the language and the learning that's attached to the language that still exists out there. There's lessons tied to the land that can be found in the Insilkshin language, and there's very few first language fluent speakers left, fewer than 50, and all are over the age of 70 years old. Anybody younger than that that's picked up the language along the way, is all it's all second language to them. The Okanagan language being swallowed up by English, being that all the reservations lie in proximity to English-speaking towns, colonized settlements, the, the language is slowly being swallowed up. And it just gave us as teachers and, and them as being part of the Okanagan culture an immense sense of importance in the job that they're doing each day and feeling that putting words, putting pictures, putting that feeling into what already resided in their hearts all along. And me being present, being a friend, being an ally, being somebody who's there working in the trenches with these guys every day, being able to witness it from the outside, I couldn't help but feel it, be emotional as well. The podcast, being able to talk about it afterwards, served as a way of, of talking about those feelings and allowing us to express what we had experienced, that, that meaningful day that we thought was just a regular Wednesday that ended up being a touchstone on the year, an opportunity to bear a piece of ourselves with the, each of the children that we spend uh, every single day with here at the school and the staff members as well. Now to back it up, my role in the school, I'm, I'm a conduit between the colonial school structure and the indigenous culture team. 
It's my job to translate both ways. I take directives from administration. I'm part of administration. And I deliver to the culture program. And I take the needs and the desires and the curriculum and the ideas that come up as part of the culture team. And I have to translate it back through administration, ensuring that things are done in a, a proper method of unit planning, lesson planning, assessment, and all those other fun things that we get to do uh, as teachers. So I'm, I have a foot in both worlds. But my heart is in the culture team. My heart is with the students, and my heart is with these men and women that I go to work with every single day. Now, our main culture team is myself and, and three other three other men. Uh, we're all in our 30s and 40s, and these men have the biggest hearts of anybody that I've met. They love working with kids. They're doing a job with a purpose that makes them feel fulfilled and, and happy and gives them an immense mission and sense of pride. But I have to acknowledge that I am an outsider. I've spent the last 12 years getting closer to the Okanagan language and culture and immersing myself in the language and the culture itself. But I will always have a childhood and a life prior that was not part of the language and culture, which they never had. So I will never have that that full feet and that heart in the culture that they do, no matter how hard I try to be part of it. But my job is to understand and to put that first. And so to see them build up that sense of pride and, and, and be able to find meaning in words in, for things that they hadn't been able to talk about before was incredible. It was incredibly moving moving day. It was really important to see. So I'm thankful for all of the educators that I've had to this point that have helped me learn to appreciate the Okanagan language and culture. This wasn't the job I'd, I'd planned for. I was actually appointed the, to this position at the start of the year. I kind of was given a bit of a choice, but I'm a classroom teacher by, by nature. But I can't say that I'm not happy about it. I get to go to work with three of my best friends every single day. We're in the trenches, but we get to experience so much more. We get to share the songs and the the language and the drum and we get to drum with the students and dance with the students and do all sorts of field trips and and different cultural activities. And we hang out outside of school time and, and look out for each other. And it feels like working with best friends each day. So I can't thank my team enough. And in the course of this class, I've been forced to examine my position within the team. And I acknowledge that I, despite always being an outsider, I've been, I feel accepted and I feel part of the team. I don't feel like an outsider. I get to work every day with my friends. They share the language and culture with me. I've been fortunate enough to learn a lot of the language this year and be able to go away on 
trips. I'm going to the Salish Language Conference next week in Spokane. We're going to spend a week down there at the first Insilkshin Immersion School in Spokane and learn what they have to offer and do some job shadowing so we can each, so we can all improve our practice a bit. And I'm grateful to be able to do it with these men. And so, in summary and in closing, I have to say that this class has allowed me to look at my position. And I've been fortunate enough to find some really good articles that have helped me see other people's perspective. But there's nothing I've run into online in any sort of academic journal or any of that that compares to how this one children's book made me understand the gentleman that I get to spend each day with. Kusnok Silk. That word means we're family. That's what we call our team. Kusnok Silk. And I am grateful for them every single day. Why?